0: Our second reading for this morning is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 9. And it's also printed in the middle of your bulletin insert. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, They were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? And he replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Your ends are reading. What are you thirsting for? After a week, a morning maybe, navigating life, what are you thirsting for? I found myself listening to the 80s, the music of the 80s and 90s this week. Songs that bring me back to memories of being about seven or eight. (laughs) wasn't meant to be funny, but. (laughs) Memories of playing softball at the green with my brother and our neighborhood friends swinging at just the right angle, hitting the ball and feeling the sweet spot in my hands. Memories of riding our bikes fast through winding paths, easing into turns and feeling the buttery flow of rubber tires on smooth pavement. Memories of being with my mom at the college where she was taking classes, wandering through the bookstore, a treasure trove of soft erasers and well made mechanical pencils, <laughs> experiencing the satisfaction of clicking the lead out farther and farther and then sliding it back in. When those memories flood in, I feel like a bird trying to escape to sunnier days, away from the week's storms. Would that I could live there. Noticing my trending music selections and effectively pulling me out of my reveries, David remarked, you're listening to the songs of your mom. I should really stop telling him about these things. (laughs) I suppose I was needing her. I was needing the good soil of home, of the green. I was needing to be reoriented, to feel possibility, energized, believing all was, all could be, right with the world. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? After a week of being out in the world, fatigued from the challenge of continuing to show up, from negotiating the needs of self and others, disorientation sets in. What was our purpose? Are we laboring for that which does not satisfy? What would we labor for? An old religion professor of mine liked to comment on our need as humans to find our bearings, to be reoriented. As this word orient implies, he liked to point out, the first way we find our bearings is by seeing the sun rise in the east. The sun rises, and there I am. Another way we are reoriented, reoriented is through ritual, like drinking in a cool glass of water, the ritual of worship, the familiarity of liturgy, the gathering of the community, the standing, the sitting. The quiet, the singing, (coughs) returns us to ourselves. It allows us to go back out into the world, breathing again. And, as the memories we cling to when we're weary might reveal, we also return to ourselves through the love of those who hold our histories. whether imagined to be the voice of Isaiah or an unknown community of writers or of God, there is a sense of intimacy in our reading from the Hebrew scriptures this morning. There is a sense that the one speaking knows their people's history and holds them with love, believing in them, in their future. I know the dream you've longed for, and even though you have nothing, no prospects, no money, come and drink. Incline your ear to me. You will be revived again. And you will be able to live out your dream, your biggest dream, to be a righteous leader. bringing about well-being and care for the people. You will be able to live congruent with what you dreamed of being. It's not only a dream to be left to someone else, to your ancestors or your children. I imagine when this assurance comes from the mouth of a prophet, or maybe a shaman, or Noam Chomsky, it lands differently. I imagine you believe it, and you begin to see yourself playing a meaningful role. The dream little ancient Israelite children grew up carrying, even as they played their version of softball and went winding on winding chariot rides, was to be a righteous leader, to be a David. As a people in exile, it's what they thirsted for most. And it's a dream some of us have carried to be able to make things right with the world practiced by completing sentences beginning with, if I were queen for a day, if I were president, if I ruled the world, if I had a million dollars, but instead of assuming it will never really happen, Isaiah pushes the people to believe that whatever is inserted at the end of the sentence is up to them. Not if I were David, but as the people of David, we will continue to take up the work of co-creating a home of peace, a place where people of nations that didn't know us will be eager to come, rightly trusting in our care. It's as if Isaiah hands the people a treasure in the darkness a reminder of what they would labor for, and a vision to believe they could do it. Just the reminder offers them a much-needed drink. This past week was the anniversary of my ordination. Many of you were there. As I was looking for good soil to sustain me then and now, I return to the Confession of 1967, a statement of faith by the Presbyterian Church that arose out of the Civil Rights Movement. When the waters become muddy, a confession tries to offer a voice of clarity. Hear these lines adapted from that confession. We believe in the Spirit who empowers us to be emissaries of peace, to seek the good of humanity, to fight against pretensions and injustices, and to use our creative powers for the fulfillment and dignity of life. We believe in God, who entrusts us with the gift of life, to be received with gratitude and pursued with courage, that we might develop and protect the resources of nature for the common welfare. We believe in Christ who emboldens us to seek the highest good in devotion to freedom, peace, truth, and beauty, as we receive and uphold one another in all relationships of life. When we are lost, disoriented, unsure of the fruitfulness of our efforts, There is good soil to be found. A few chapters before our reading in Luke, we are given what might be thought of as Jesus' statement of faith. The Spirit of God is upon me, because God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. God has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of God. The Galileans, whose blood was mixed with their offerings, are thought to have been people rebelling against the oppression of Rome. Some might be tempted to say, as the people of Luke's Gospel, that there must have been something they did wrong in order for God to have allowed them to be killed especially while offering sacrifices in the temple. Because this is a world of justice, isn't it? While Luke's Jesus does not fully liberate the people from this painful theology, he challenges them not to so so distance themselves from the suffering of others. Jesus' mission was to care for the oppressed. Were the Galileans so far off? Perhaps the people distancing themselves lost sight of their common goal. There is some thought that the sin referred to in our reading is about a rupture of a relationship with God. Jesus calls the people to repent, to return to God. Is it possible that when we are out of alignment with our dream, our goal, our hope for well-being. We are in ruptured relationship with God. Jesus follows up this conversation with a parable of a vineyard owner, a gardener, and a thus far fruitless tree. As a parable, it lends itself as a window into many things. Relationships, work, existential questions, Valuations of a life not bearing the fruit expected by others. It asks when to stay, when to go, when to keep laboring, when it's time to try something new. Just as we might be disoriented, we can imagine God as both the vineyard owner and the gardener, feeling conflicted, too. Do I cut my losses? Disappointed that the tree didn't bear fruit, but allowing the tree to become mulch, sustenance for the soil? Or do I keep holding out hope that this life I've invested in might bear fruit yet? The question is left unanswered for us to decide. And in the meantime, with the love of one who holds our history, The gardener offers good soil that we might take in its nutrients and become clear again. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear to me and come, listen, so that you may live. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, you that are in need, come."